folks. This is Interfaith Talk Radio being brought to you by Dr. Pat Worldwide on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM, and we are streaming on the Internet at interfaithtalkradio.com. We're sharing an expanding dialogue on interfaith understanding, and we seek to celebrate together our shared spiritual quest. So welcome to our weekly program, We are a rabbi, a Muslim minister, and a Christian pastor. I am Rabbi Ted Falcon from Beit Aleph Meditative Synagogue. I am Brother Jamal Rahman from Interfaith Community Church in Seattle. And I'm Pastor Don McKenzie from University Congregational United Church of Christ in Seattle. And uh, Brother Don has the church with the longest name, so we suspect always that he's the most important of the three of us. But you'll have to uh, listen as our program develops and draw your own conclusions. Amen. We're here every Monday from 5 to 6 p.m., and we invite you to join us. You're welcome to call in when the time is right. If you want to mark down our phone number, it's 425 425- Three seven three five five two seven four two five three seven three five five two seven, and you can always go to interfaithtalkradio dot com to get those phone numbers or to get information about anything we talk about on the show, information about upcoming shows, information about us, or to leave us comments or questions that you might like to have us address or have us know about. We're focusing our comments today on the topic of Thanksgiving. We're doing it a week early because we want to encourage our listeners to share an interfaith celebration of Thanksgiving, which is being held next Sunday, the 19th of November, from 2 to 4 at St. Patrick Church. Uh, St. Patrick Church is at 2702 Broadway Avenue East. And it's Broadway Avenue north off of Roanoke. So even if you forget the address, just go to Roanoke. Broadway is across from the fire station. It's a short block. And there, there is St. Patrick Church. And we will see you there at 2 o'clock on Sunday the 19th. So this gives us an opportunity to be thankful that we get to talk about being thankful a week even before our shared Thanksgiving. So we thought we'd start by looking at what our traditions say about Thanksgiving. What does your tradition say about Thanksgiving, Pastor Don? Well, I think immediately of the prayer of thanksgiving that we say typically following the experience of communion of the, of the Eucharist, of, of sharing in the, uh, the juice and the bread, the body and the, and the blood, that is to say the essence of the, uh, figure of Jesus. And, um, it occurred to me that that is in many ways, uh, that experience of having enough, I mean, and giving thanks for that <clears throat> reflects so much of what came before that. I think of the Exodus in particular. Uh, but I think of, of that in contrast to the experience of not 
feeling that we don't have enough, that somehow we're incomplete or that we need more and so forth. And that's a hard feeling to come to Thanksgiving from. But the feeling of, of having enough and so forth is is a place where we can be just overwhelmed to give thanks. And that is at least culturally a part of the history of this country. It's, it's uh, particularly... As we look back at history, those were Christian people doing that particular thing at that particular moment, but they were drawing on other traditions also. And of course, in Islam, as um, uh, many of you know, the Quran says that one of the one of the great secrets to happiness is expression of gratitude, and therefore the Islamic body prayer, the ritualistic prayer, is essentially. Uh, like in Judaism, I presume also in Christianity, is essentially about uh, praising God and thanking God five times a day. And I especially like the story of how Prophet Muhammad, he conceived of the concept of body prayers and using the gift of a human body to express this adoration of God and to express gratitude. You know, all three of us went to Jerusalem, and there we saw the Dome of the Rock, and from there, as you know, Prophet Muhammad, in his famous 7th century night journey called the Miraj, he ascended the seven levels of heaven. And as he was ascending those levels, he was dazzled by the sight of angels all around him. And tradition says, as he listened very carefully, he heard those angels just telling God, Oh God, you are the greatest of the greatest, the most merciful of the merciful, and thank you, thank you, thank you. So from that... Prophet Muhammad got the idea that a prayer needs to consist essentially of praising God and thanking God, and five times a day, and as I said, using the gift of a body to express this adoration. My personal uh, prayer is, of course, the one I've said on air many times, O God, favor upon favor have you bestowed upon this handful of dust. Thank you. Mm. The image that you bring up of the Prophet watching the angels is very much like the image in the book of Isaiah. At one point, Isaiah has a vision, and he sees the angels uh, just opening up with energies of praise to God. Kadosh, 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 holy, holy, holy is the presence of God everywhere. And as he sees the angels, they are lifting themselves up on their toes, you know, like with every time they say kadosh, every time they say they say holy, and in the in the liturgy, in the service, in the synagogue, when we get to that phrase, we stand up on our tiptoes. You know, just again, uh, in an image very similar to what you describe, kind of copying the energy of the angels. Uh, the angels are those beings who always are praising. We human beings are not always remembering. Right. You know, Ruby has this wonderful metaphor. He says, every time you praise God, you're actually creating feathers and wings uh, to the spirit that you have. It begins to fly. It makes a difference. There's no doubt about it. In Jewish tradition, of course, Thanksgiving as a celebration is, uh, in Jewish tradition, called Sukkot. And it's the harvest festival, and it's it's very similar because you have the in-gathering, which essentially was the first Thanksgiving in this country, 
and a celebratory meal uh, marking that and including praise and thanksgiving to the divine presence through whom such bounty can flow and hoping that everyone everywhere can experience that kind of bounty. There is a prayer, the very first words that are to be spoken by a Jew when you open your eyes in the morning are words of thanksgiving. A man says, Mode ani lefanecha, I give thanks before you, eternal presence. A woman says, Moda ani lefanecha. The meaning, of course, is the same. The grammar makes a slight difference. But I give thanks before you, Holy One of all being. Mode ani lefanecha, melechavakayam, eternal creative presence. Shehechazarta binishmati, for you have returned to me my soul. Hmm. It's like no matter what's going on in our lives, to open our eyes in the morning and say thank you. Hmm. Thank you for allowing me to be here. Hmm. And then it concludes, Rabba emunatecha, great is your loving kindness. Those are, I'm inspired by the things that each of you has said, and, and I'm thinking of, for me, as a straight, white, Protestant male in this culture, um, it, it's relatively easy for me to to say, you know, I should be thankful and so forth. But there are so many people who, who have more difficulty getting to the point that you have each described. And I'm aware that, that one of the concerns we share is being mindful of those concerns, of how much more difficult it is for many in this culture and the world to say we have enough, you know. Mm-hmm. What's the Jewish uh, saying, Ted? Uh, we enough. Um, I can't think of the Hebrew, but we've said it in your service. Uh, we have enough, you know. I can't think of the. What am I trying to think? Of? I don't know. The thing yeah. that comes to my mind is the Dayenu. Dayenu, at, yes. Okay, yeah. at Passover, exactly. Yeah. yeah, where we say, you know, if all you'd done was given us the Sabbath, that would have been enough, right? If all you'd done was given us the Sabbath and given us the Torah, Dayenu, that would have been enough. If all you'd done is given us the Sabbath and given us the Torah and taken us out of Egypt, that would have been enough. Mm. You know, and on and on. But saying, Dayenu, it's enough. Right. And and the contrast between that and the feeling that we have so often that we don't enough, no matter who we are, right. is, is dramatic. And no matter how much we have or how much exactly. we don't have. Yeah. You are finding us uh, on a day when we're talking about the theme of Thanksgiving. This is Interfaith Talk Radio, and in a moment when we return after messages from our sponsors, we will be talking to Doctor uh, to Father Pat Clark, who is the priest at St. Patrick Church, where the Thanksgiving, the Interfaith Thanksgiving, will be celebrated this coming Sunday. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Commonly known as NICO, Northwest Interfaith Community Outreach traces its history to the first anniversary of 9-11. Committed to promoting interfaith dialogue and understanding, its purpose is captured in its mission statement, celebrating spirit through interfaith collaboration and compassionate works of justice in the world. 
For information on how to get involved, go to InterfaithTalkRadio.com and click on Nico. Hey, Julie, where have you been? Benny, I just returned from a fabulous seminar with Karen Ramsey, learning about how my relationship to money is holding me back from living the life I want. Well, I can't seem to save enough money to contribute to an IRA these days, but I think, you know, it's just too late to start now. Well, Benny, I see that you just bought yourself a latte this morning. And how many times a day do you do that? Uh, I'd say like two or three times a day, but I mean, seriously, what's your point, Julie? If you save the money you spend on just one latte a day, you'd easily be able to contribute $1,400 dollars a year to your IRA. No kidding. <laughs> I never thought about it that way. Well, Karen Ramsey says it's never too late to start no matter where you are. And the sooner you start, the better. Well, you know, that's fine with people with money, but how can someone like me afford financial advice from someone like Karen Ramsey? Well, you don't need to be wealthy to get excellent financial advice. In fact, why not tune into her new show beginning October 12th and learn about the myths about money that keep us from living the lives we're meant to live. And visit her on the web at caringmoney.com. That's caringmoney.com. Okay, everyone, listen up. Dr. Pat brings you her favorite organic wines from the Organic Wine Company, direct to you for this limited-time special offer. Would you like to enjoy the luscious taste of natural grapes grown with love for the land and tantalizing your taste buds at the same time? Well, Dr. Pat has selected three of her favorite wines for only $49, a 40% savings. Visit www.thedrpatshow.com and click on Dr. Pat's Picks for this special offer. Or you can call 1-888-326-9463. Following the herd is fine until they lead you off a cliff. Think for yourself. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. And welcome back to Interfaith Talk Radio. We're with you today talking about the theme of Thanksgiving, how that theme reflects through each of our traditions. We are a rabbi, a Muslim minister, and a Christian pastor engaged in a weekly conversation about the nature of interfaith and the shared quest for a deeper spirituality. And we have with us on the line Father Pat Clark, who is the priest at St. Patrick Church, where the Interfaith Thanksgiving will be celebrated this coming Sunday from 2 to 4. Again, St. Patrick Church is on East Broadway Avenue, just north of Roanoke. So, Father Pat, are you there? I am. Uh, Welcome to Interfaith Talk Radio. Oh, thank you for having me. So we wondered if uh, you would give us some idea. You had the interfaith thanksgiving celebration at your church last year what was that like for you well it was such a good experience i invited them to come back again this year um it made a, a really deep impression on me uh it was a you know a series of the various liturgies the various ways in which the different religions praise god and it was a thanksgiving uh, service and uh you know we have a Eucharist every Sunday, and Eucharist means uh, Thanksgiving. So Thanksgiving is a very important part of the Catholic religion. And as I as I thought about it, I was thinking how I think it was Ch- Chelsus way back when he was trying to develop the medical profession. He said to the medical students, you know, look, listen, see, you know. And uh, I was thinking of last Sunday's uh, gospel, two Sundays ago, the Bartimaeus, you know, the blind man. I want to see. 
so it was it's like an opportunity to come and see the totality uh, ecumenical and interfaith of the religions in our area and also it's done with a great great deal of you know judgmentalism respect appreciation um, uh, Vatican II the, um, one of the big documents was Nostra Aetate which uh, in which the we were advised by the Church Fathers back in 1965 to learn from uh, not only uh, non-Christian faiths, non-Catholic faiths, but uh, but uh, non-Christian faiths. And uh, when, when the, pro- the Archbishop had, I mean, when Pope Benedict XVI had his problem at Regensburg not too long ago, uh, the Archbishop Renette, our Archbishop, uh, said that the that the answer to that is dialogue, you know, and with no sense of superiority uh, as we enter into dialogue. That you know, that our particular religion is not superior to any other religion. Right. So on the on the Thanksgiving celebration, representatives of various religious communities um, have an opportunity to present a little bit of their tradition to the group. Yeah, in a deeply respectful and appreciative and friendly manner. Right. And so this, it was a very excellent experience. I really, it was one of the great experiences of my time. It's 45 years, I think, as a priest. That's it's really impressive. Yeah. So you're looking forward to hosting it again. I sure am. Mm-hmm. Very, good, very much so. Mm-hmm. Uh, Father Pat, this is Jamal. And I, of course, as a Muslim, have always admired your uh, very sincere openness to interfaith, but more than that, I've also really admired your honesty about it, all that, all its uh, wonderful, beautiful ups and also its downs. And my question is, uh, from your own personal experience, because that is what really matters most, what is it you'd like to tell a Christian, say a Catholic, about the great need for engaging in interfaith work? Um, I think I, from my own experience, um, I've been, for the last 15 years, uh, in, in a group called uh, Lutheran, Anglican, Roman Catholic uh, Dialogue. We meet every month for about uh, two, three hours, and uh, we've developed friendships within that group, uh, Lutheran uh, pastors, uh, uh, Anglican pastors, and Catholic pastors, and lay people who are interested in theology, and it's like... Um, my friendships with these with these people, men and women, are as strong as any relationships I have with um, with my Catholic uh, fellow priests. And, and since I came to St. Patrick's, uh, I've been very impressed with the, the Nico group, the Northwest uh, Interfaith um, Community, community outreach, outreach Group, and, and you know <laughs> that you're, you're you're involved in the, the great fellowship that's uh, that's there and. One of, one of the things I would like to say is I'm reading a book now called Ideas, A History from Fire to uh, Freud uh, by Peter Watson. It's about a thousand-page book, but it goes back and looks at all the religions, Hindu, Buddhist, uh, Confucius, Tao, Jew, Muslim, all the Christian religions, and I, I'm so impressed at the contributions that uh, all religions have made in world history to ideas. That's the name of the book, is Ideas. I mean... I think that if our young people were to realize uh, that, that, that collective treasury of ideas that came from religion, um, uh, they would be much more Im- impressed with the notion of interfaith and ecumenism. 
I think that our modern society is a secular society that's pretty ignorant. It's uh, not only unaware, but ignorant of, of those contributions. Yeah, uh, I really appreciate that. And I think that together we can do so much more. I feel more, you know, that rather than just being a Catholic, I'm part of this bigger <coughs> uh, uh, community of churches, and I feel much more emboldened by that awareness, uh, even since reading this book. Great. Father Pat, Don McKenzie here. Um, yeah. I'm uh, so glad you're on the show today, and... Um, because I know you a little bit, I know more of what you're saying. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm so glad you identified the word Eucharist with Thanksgiving and so forth. And I'm suddenly aware that the Catholic Mass, the Roman Catholic Mass, is in effect framed by Thanksgiving. And so that gives you a, a certain sort of way of understanding experience that is framed by Thanksgiving. And I appreciate that so much. And that makes you in particular, uh, because of who you are, both as a person and as a Catholic priest, uh, an excellent host for the, the, the event that's that's coming up. And I just wanted to let you know how thankful I am for you and for that. Thanks, Thanks for all you do, too. And uh, I think interfaith needs to grow. I think even Catholic priests are not really there yet. They're not yet aware of the, of the, of the obligation we have as Vatican II Catholics and of the promises that it gives us, uh, it's, we've got a long ways to go. I often said that uh, we should not be doing any theology except with all the churches. We should, mm. well, individual churches shouldn't be doing theology. It's too narrow and too <laughs> constricted, and it doesn't get the whole picture. Amen. Well, we really appreciate your point of view and your energy and look forward to sharing next Sunday with you. Okay. We have a caller um Someone who is well known to all of us, and that's Margie Coles. Margie, you're on the line. I am. Okay, talk up a little bit, please. Hi. Um, it sounds like my voice just actually got quite quiet to me as well, um, and as did you. So I don't know if there's something I should be doing to make it work no, better. No, it's clear now. It's clear. You're doing fine. So the reason I'm calling is that um, I don't know. It, Father Pat, if you remember, I've actually met you before, but I wanted to personally call and express my gratitude to both Father Pat and to the St. Patrick community for hosting this event that is sponsored by the Interfaith Council of Washington. And I'm calling on behalf of the council. I'm actually functioning this year as the president. And last year, quite sadly, I was in Jerusalem and in Israel during the time that the celebration occurred, uh, along with Jamal and... Uh, well, we weren't sad to be in Jerusalem. <laughs> no, we weren't sad, but I was sad to miss the event because yeah. I heard wonderful things about it. And uh, this year, uh, last year Jerusalem instead of right. next year Jerusalem. <laughs> and this year Seattle, and I'm very, very much forward, looking forward to being together also with um, all of you who were with me in Israel last year together. Right. I figured they're doing it this year so that we could we could see it too. Exactly. And I also wanted to express um, a great deal of gratitude to Sister Janice Tufty, who organized the... Right. We're going to be speaking with her in a few minutes, Margie. But uh, just so that she knows, I wanted her to hear my personal thanks to her ahead of time. Right. We're really looking forward to that as well. Great. Yes. And, and the one comment I just wanted to make is that I look forward to this event every year because I think it is easy to forget that state of gratitude. And I think 
Thanksgiving for us as a nation or Thanksgiving as us as a group of interfaith um, people coming together is a time of remembering how much how much we we appreciate one another even though we have our differences and how much we can celebrate those differences and not be afraid of them. Yeah, I think we should also, if I may, express gratitude to Reverend Karen Lindquist for giving yeah. so much of her being and time. Absolutely. And, uh, and putting so much of her energy into making this so uh, such a beautiful event. Yeah, the she's last been few wonderful years. to work with. We've met with her a number of times. She's been very great. Yes, Karen is our official chair for the event and basically the, the heart and the soul of gathering it, all the pieces together. We wouldn't really be able to have the program without Karen, so no. we very much are indebted to her. And we thank God, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so for all of you who are listening, just to remind you that we are talking about an interfaith celebration of Thanksgiving that's happening this Sunday, November 19th, from 2 to 4 in the afternoon. It's followed by a reception all of which are being held at St. Patrick Church, 2702 Broadway Avenue East, and it's on Broadway just north of Roanoke. So if you get to Roanoke, it's pretty much opposite the fire station. Go down the block or up the block and find St. Patrick Church, and we'll see you there at 2 o'clock. And as we approach our next break, I'd just like to say thank you, Margie, for calling in. And, Father Pat, thanks for being with us on the show. Thanks for having me. Thanks, thanks from all of us. Yes, you're luck. very welcome. Thank Bye. you. And we hope those of you who are listening will also listen to the words of our sponsors who allow us to share with you each week. We'll be back in a moment. of Bellevue is an inclusive community for spiritual growth, where all are valued, where positive attitudes are developed, where spiritual laws of life are taught, where consciousness is cultivated, where self-awareness is enhanced, and where the bonds of fellowship are enriched. Join us for our Sunday celebrations on Bellevue's East Side. Visit our website at www.unityofbellevue.org. Many people who come to a Unity Church feel like they've come home. We invite you to one of the many great Puget Sound Unity Churches in Bellevue, Edgewood, Kent, Linwood, Seattle, or Woodenville. For links to these Unity Churches and others, visit unity.org. We welcome you to join us at Unity of Woodenville. Visit unityofwoodenville.org. Do you suffer from stress, headaches, back pain, digestive pain, or other chronic problems? Allow Sue Woodward to help you realize the vitality and wholeness your body naturally wants to express using gentle, restorative methods. Sue invites you to call her at the Acupuncture and Healing Arts Clinic for a free consultation. 425-451-8129. That's 425-451-8129. The University Congregational United Church of Christ, located at 4515 16th Avenue Northeast, right across from the Burke Museum, wants you to know that it is a liberal and inclusive congregation waiting to welcome you to worship, education, fellowship, and service. 
We need your help to say yes to God's purposes. For more information, log on to universityucc.org. That's universityucc.org. Or call 206-524-2322. That's 206-524-2322. More choices, more topics, more shows. One station. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. And you are back with us. This is Interfaith Talk Radio on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM, and streaming on the Internet at interfaithtalkradio.com. And I'd just like to say that my community, Beit Aleph Meditative Synagogue, is one of the sponsors of Interfaith Talk Radio. So I get to invite all who are interested or curious to share in a meditative Shabbat worship experience. We meet this coming Friday evening, November 17th at 7.30, and you can check for directions and further information at our website, jewishspiritualcommunity.com. That's jewishspiritualcommunity.com, and it would be delightful to welcome uh those of you who would just like to see what it's like this Friday night. And we have with us Sister Janice Tufty, and I think uh, Jamal, Brother Jamal, is going to make the introductions. Uh, I would love to. Uh, sister Janice Tufty is a Muslim sister who has been a Muslim for the last seven years, and she's a very uh, active, uh, or sorry, a very productive social activist, doing a lot of work in these social areas, particularly with the homeless. And recently she initiated a program in weaving or getting communities to weave scarves for the homeless. And this really took a life of its own, and this actually program shows that one person can really make a difference. And I think this program that you initiated, Janice, will be featured at the Thanksgiving program also. Can you tell us something about the, about the program that you initiated? Um, sure, I'd love to tell you about it. Last year I collected uh, hats, scarves, gloves, and umbrellas for the homeless and um, just asked the Muslim community, and I had a wonderful um, response, which kind of surprised me. So this year, early in the year, I noticed people knitting on the bus, and I thought, hmm, I could probably start something with this. And I noticed my roommates knitted, and so I just one day at the library with a friend just made up a flyer and sent it around. And I really uh, wanted to add that it was also a homeless awareness campaign, and the homeless deserve, you know, be warm during the winter. And I didn't want everything just circulating around Christmas because it gets cold before Christmas. So I had planned before Thanksgiving, and it eventually, through the help of the Interfaith Community Church, my initial first. congregation sponsor, I guess you say, they put an ad in their bulletin, and it went from there to many, many other churches. I believe there's four temples involved. I'm not sure how many mosques, and it's it's really, really exciting. And I have people from all walks of life um, writing to me and asking me about the project, and uh, they're getting involved. They're making either knitting, crocheting, or now they're making fleece scarves. There's many children involved for service projects, as well as elderly uh, senior centers. Today I heard from a cancer group. And um, they're all planning on either bringing them to my home the day before or attending the service, which is very exciting. And we will have a blessing of the scarves for the homeless at the service. 
I chose the 1,000 um, scarves hats. It's called the Warm for Winter campaign. I chose a 1,000 number just out of uh, thin air, and then I realized, in reality, we need a 1,000 units of housing uh, to be built or refurbished each year to actually tackle this 10-year plan on ending homelessness that's mm-hmm. a national mandate. Here in King County, we would need to have a 1,000 units a year. Nice. So I decided this 1,000 number was representative of that, and I've had an absolutely wonderful um, response, and they are so beautiful. And if you attend the Praise and Thanksgiving event at St. Patrick's, you'll see how beautiful these scarves are and how much work has gone into them. Right. It's really great. And one of the things that I remember you talking about was that the homeless wind up spending a great deal of their time standing in lines to attempt to get shelters each night. And part of the reason for doing the scarves and the hats in the first place is to help them be more comfortable during those long waits in line. Right, and the people that make or create the scarves, the time it takes to each scarf is almost, at least 15 hours. Almost every scarf takes that time if they've knitted or crocheted them, which is an extensive amount of time, and many people have made 20 or 30 you know, uh, hats or scarves. But they have to wait in line for just even to use a restroom, to take a shower, to do their laundry every day for lunch, breakfast, to apply for housing. And some nights, they, even though they wait in line for hours at one place, they go to another place in Seattle called Operation Night Watch, which is the last place you're able to go. Uh, Reverend Rick Reynolds runs that. They maybe have already waited two or three hours, and they find out they cannot have a shelter for the evening. So they definitely are in need of housing. And I just wanted to mention one thing. Um, I, this is really special to me, the Thanksgiving time, because I'm actually, actually from a pilgrim family the second year. And, uh, many years ago, my father made the front page of, in 1959 for, uh, a Thanksgiving paper because he was, uh, the person most likely to give thanks because he had lived. So Thanksgiving's always been special to me. And I picked out a little, um, Quran ayat, which is a verse out of the Quran, because it touched my heart um, regarding uh, how we can all make a difference. And it's in the 16th chapter, which is called the bees. And it's, and be not like her who undoes the thread which she has spun after it has become strong by taking your oath as a means of deception among yourselves, lest a nation should be more numerous than another nation. And I think in our country, we have experiences with the Native Americans and all of us immigrants that have come here, and we should always respect them, and that's what Thanksgiving is about. And there are many, many um, Native Americans that are homeless, and this is a time of year to realize that there's people from every walk of life that are homeless, and we can make a difference, people of faith and people that are interested. We should all come together to help one another during this time. Sister Janice, uh, I'm so impressed. Your enthusiasm and passion for this is truly contagious, even on the telephone, and I would I would love to have you speak a little bit more about the relationship between this uh, passion you have and the sense of thanksgiving in your life and your experience of converting to Islam and being a Muslim woman. Mm-hmm. Well, um, a lot of people ask me that. I was a Christian before. I was raised a Methodist, and um, Dr. David Austin, a, a local reverend, was who I was raised with in Edmonds, and he gave more emphasis upon us as, uh, as a child or to our church that we should live like Jesus, not necessarily uh, to re, you know, rely on Jesus for our sins. And so I was taught to live like Jesus, to give and to think and contemplate and help others. And so in my conversion to Islam, something that drew me there was that we are each responsible for what we 
do, either positive or negative. And as in Judaism, uh, our deeds are what bring us to heaven. Our, you know, that is our ultimate goal. The more good deeds that we are held responsible for and we, we actually do accomplish outweigh our bad deeds, and that is our, our avenue to heaven. Versus in Christianity, of course, you still are expected to do good deeds, but Jesus is an intermediary who you may also um, look forward, you know, to, you may ask for, uh, what do you say, for help from your sins and through him. But in Islam, we are required as each individual to really be responsible, encourages you to do good deeds, and um, that's one reason. I became a Muslim in actuality. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. We really appreciate the energy that you've been putting into this, and I know that we've got a group in our synagogue that's been getting together and knitting scarves together, and then there are others in the community who are doing that as well. For those people who might want to bring a scarf but aren't, don't have the 15 hours to put into knitting it, it's okay also for people to buy scarves and bring them? Yes, or I recommend that they actually go to Joann's or a fabric store, even Walmart or Kmart, any any store, and they can buy a piece of fleece, a 36 by 36 or 45 by 45, and you can cut it into three strips and then just make fringe. It literally only will take the most amount of time is to drive to purchase it. It'll just take a short amount of time, and you can actually work with youth on this, and they just love to do it. And they can put out three scarves very quickly, and they realize what they have just produced will make, you know, help three people keep warm this winter. That's great. Mm -hmm. But they could buy them also, yes. So I'm really encouraging the fleece so we have the numbers because I just want to mention last week I spent the time calling the shelters that I have. uh, I'm planning on taking them to Operation Night Watch and Women's Referral Center. Between the two of those alone, I really need uh, like over 350 scarves. And so that's not including domestic violence shelters. A lot of shelters, another shelter has 200, another one that does outreach. There's three outreach groups that I'm going to that serve food as well as outreach just to reach people on the streets to offer them the opportunities, what shelters they can go to, and that's another 100. So in reality, there's 2,000 people approximately that we know of each night that are in the streets. Some of them do try to get shelter uh, and they're unable to, and uh, there's like 2,300 youth that are either in shelters, some are in cars. There's uh, like 2,000, 3,000 uh, single adult men in the rest are women. It's about 8,300 that we know of on any given night. And that doesn't, that's not total, that's not counting people staying in somebody's home, sleeping on the couch, couch surfers they call them. Um, it's literally people that do not have a home, shelters or no shelter. Yeah, so, Janice, I just want to say that, you know, as you know, in the Quran, uh, Jesus is deeply, deeply loved. He's called the Spirit of God. Mm-hmm. So I just want to tell you that, of course, Jesus is welcoming you to heaven when you go to heaven mm-hmm. and that you are really living the life Jesus wants you to live. And for that, I thank you. Inshallah. I just want to mention one thing. Today, I went to a little meeting about homelessness at UW, and we were talking about how can we build a political will. And I mentioned, you know, all of the prophets, we were talking about how the homeless lived, how some really don't want help, and some live out and do this and have simple lives. And I said, you know, if you reflect on how the prophets lived, all of them lived that way. At one point in their life, they all went either nomadic or they went off by themselves, and they meditated, and that is how they found themselves closer to God. So sometimes we can't, uh, we shouldn't be judgmental no matter who the person is. They deserve a roof over their head. Whatever issues they have, they should be able to have an opportunity to deal with them. I mean, they should be able to practice their faith also. Amen. 
Sister Janice, I'm, I'm just a quick comment, again, in appreciation for what you're doing. Uh, my colleague Catherine Foote in her sermon yesterday quoted Virginia Woolf as saying that war is a failure of imagination and empathy. And it strikes me that what you're doing is a success of imagination and empathy and that those two things, the imagination and empathy, are things that we are trying, all of us engaged in the interfaith uh, work, are trying to help to develop. So thank you for your work. You're very, very welcome. And I think this is the most exciting thing, and I have had people say to me, this is so exciting that it's interfaith. Some people aren't actually aware because they've just heard it, read about it in their bulletin, and it's not necessarily very clear what the project is. But I've had a wonderful response from each one of those individuals, and I explained to them there's temples and mosques involved. And it's just so exciting. Like yesterday, I heard a couple of days ago, I heard from um, Temple Beth Shalom, isn't that in Everett? And um, they have participated also. So I know it's going to go into other states as well as counties next year. And um, I have spoken or written to the National Coalition of Homelessness. The executive director wrote back to me. So it's really getting attention. And I heard from Reverend Karen Lindquist, who thank very much for all she has done to bring together all these different faiths also that this this little project actually went nationwide on the URI. Well, thank you very yeah. much, Janice. I'd like to mention <clears throat> also that for further information, people can go to uh, the Interfaith Council's website. Mm-hmm. That's www.interfaithcouncil.com. And uh, that will also guide you to our event this Sunday where we can together celebrate the scarves uh, that have been produced and are about to be shared with those who need them. So thank you, Sister Janice. We are taking a break, and we will be back with you. This is Interfaith Talk Radio. We'll be right back. Are you ready for the 12-minute Simone Zone Miracle? Transform any self-defeating internal images into spectacular masterpieces of happiness and success in only 12 minutes. The Simone Zone is a revolutionary empowerment technique that uses cutting-edge audiovisual technology. Get ready to shift negative energy and change it to positive energy now. Visit thesimonezone.com and try this free technique. That's thesimonezone.com. The United Church of Christ wants you to know about the God is Still Speaking campaign, a national effort to let everyone know that this denomination welcomes everyone, no matter what, to the worship of God and the service of the church. We believe that God has much, much more to tell us about the good news of the gospel of Jesus and about what love can do to help us with this beautiful but troubled world. To find out more, log on to www.ucc.org slash index We wish you blessings for your life. Are you ready to kick your life up a notch? Tired of just surviving? The award-winning Dr. Pat Show, Talk Radio to Thrive By, is your way to living the life you want without regrets, without limitations. This empowering, inspirational show with dynamic host Dr. Pat Basile will leave you shouting, yes, I can. Dr. Pat is a master career and belief coach, dynamic seminar leader, and creator of Crustbusting. Listen to The Dr. Pat Show on AM 1150 KKNW, Monday through Friday, 11 to noon, and worldwide on www.thedrpatshow.com. 1150 KKNW.com, your connection to Alternative Talk, 1150 AM.
And welcome back. This is Interfaith Talk Radio being brought to you by Dr. Pat Worldwide. You're listening to Alternative Talk, 1150 AM, or you might be listening to us over the Internet at interfaithtalkradio.com. We are a rabbi, a Muslim minister, and a Christian pastor. I am Rabbi Ted Falcon. I'm Brother Jamal Rahman. And I'm Pastor Don McKenzie. And we like to check from time to time to make sure that we've still got our identities clear and we haven't gotten confused about that. There's a couple things I want to mention that are coming up. Tomorrow night, uh, at 7 to 9 p.m., that's Tuesday, November 14th, at St. Benedict School, which is at 4811 Wallingford Avenue North. I've been asked to talk about my personal path as a Jew. Uh, namely, what do I do differently because I'm Jewish? How does that impact my daily life? And it's not something I get to talk about very often, so I'm interested in that. Why do I wear this little hat? Do I eat differently? Why? You know, what? how does it affect the rhythms of my day? And this is going to be the first of uh, programs that will include Brother Jamal, probably in January, talking about right. what's the difference? Mm-hmm. Like, how does his personal path as a Muslim affect um, his daily life? So, again, that's from 7 to 9 tomorrow, Tuesday, November 14th, at St. Benedict School, 4811 Wallingford Avenue North. And the other thing I want to mention is that on November 27th, there will be opportunities to become a studio audience and to participate in Interfaith Talk Radio yourself. Normally, we're here at a studio in Bellevue, in the Factoria area of Bellevue. Um, But we really have been wanting to share the show live with actual people. So if you want to be one of those actual people, we will be doing two shows on Monday afternoon, November 27th, at Pastor Don's church at the University Congregational United Church of Christ. It's at 16th Avenue at 45th Street. And the first show will be taping at 3.30, so please be there at 3.15. The second show will be live at 5. Uh, we're asking the audience to be there by 4.45. So mark that down for Monday afternoon, November 7, no, November 27th to be part of a live audience right. for Interfaith Talk Radio. You know, I was just thinking, when you mentioned this wonderful talk that you'll be giving tomorrow evening at yes. St. Benedict's, that this is such a blessing, something to be so grateful for, that we can share and listen to and participate in ritualistic experiences of the other. So if I participate in a Shabbat service or in a Christian service, it really gives me ideas, creative ideas, of how to incorporate some of those elements in my own Islamic ritualistic experience, in my meditation, in my body prayer, uh, in creating shifts in my thinking and having a deeper understanding. But how beautiful that we're able to share these uh, practices in our services. Yeah, this is the 
essence of moving into a consciously pluralistic society. And there's always the dilemma, like, if I participate in interfaith activities, if I participate in a Christian service, or if I participate in a Muslim service, is that going to somehow turn me away from my own path? Mm. And our experience continually is that exposure to the beauty, to the wonders of other traditions connects us, allows us to connect more deeply to our own identity. Absolutely. You know, that's, that's one of the reasons why I'm so glad to be working with you, Rabbi Ted, and with you, Brother Jamal. The, Thank you. Speaking as a Christian in a, in a culture that has been dominated by Christianity, that it, um, it, I think one of the dangers for those of us who are Christian is that subconscious sort of assumption that we know what it feels like to be the other. And we don't. We have no idea. I mean, not that we don't have any idea, but we know so little, and we need to know more. We need to know what it feels like, not just kind of the intellectual experience of it, but the heart experience. What does it feel like to be you, Ted, or what does it feel like to be you, Jamal? Because that helps us to understand what it feels like to be us better. Mm -hmm. And therefore, and if we can develop that, if we can have that empathy, as I was saying before, for for you, for um I think we can exercise our imaginations more and find more ways to cooperate, to have compassion, to work for justice, and mm-hmm. to do those things we've been trying to do. Yeah, there's always uh, yeah. a basic rule of if you want to find out what the hungry person is experiencing, don't ask the expert, you know, the nutritionist. Um, ask the person who's hungry. If you want to find out what a minority group is experiencing, ask the somebody in that group. If you want to find out what it's like to be homeless, I mean, it's one thing to talk about it, mm-hmm. but it's a whole other thing to say, okay, we've got to listen very carefully to someone who is actually having that experience so that we can learn beyond our conceptualizations of the nature of that experience. So that common truth in all the traditions that the the essence of truth is the truth that you have actually experienced, tasted by yourself. Mm. And, and you know, I th- and I think that learning to listen is is certainly not my strength. I mean, I, I try, and I, I realize the more I try to do it, the more I realize I need more practice. Uh, that's something we can encourage each other and others to do. And I'm sure every single tradition encourages that. For, the, for example, in the Quran, it says again and again and again, will you not see? Will you not listen? Will you not listen? Will you not understand? So we continuously ask to be mindful, but of course, that's in theory we understand that, but on a heartfelt level, we don't quite practice that, especially, as you said, compassionate listening. It is very difficult to know when we've gone unconscious. It's very difficult for me to know when I've stopped listening. It's, you know, so it's one thing to talk about it or realize it from a standpoint of when we're really paying attention. And it's a whole other thing to realize, wow, I've just floated off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I remember one time sitting in an airplane with Ruth. My wife is Ruth Newald Falcon, and she was once telling me a story that of, about a dog that uh, really had just was in miserable condition. And at some point, she realized I wasn't listening. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like we were coming back from a retreat. I was tired. I'm reading a magazine. We're waiting for the plane to take off. And she's talking about this dog that is was flea-bitten and his ears were tattered and his coat was... And then she said, so they ate him. <laughs> and I'm sitting next to her and I'm thinking, you know, this is getting in slowly. And all of a sudden I hear something just got said that lets everybody know I wasn't listening. (laughs) (laughs) So I was grateful for that. Uh Um, I'm not sure she was, but Uh it is amazing Uh how easy it is for us to go unconscious, not only to the communications of others, but to the sense of gratitude um, for the abundance in our lives, for friendships, for community. You know, I really marvel at the insight in all the traditions that one of the main problems humanity has is that it doesn't know when to stop. Not Hmm. knowing, just just always overdoing it. That's quite an art. But if we had the art of really listening, we'd know when to stop talking. And if I don't know how to stop talking, like the Buddhists say, it's like painting legs onto a snake. You know, I, I had experience not long ago of being in a group of uh, ministers debriefing from a, a, a conference that we had put on. And one of the ministers uh, was a Japanese person from Hawaii originally. And we were all very um, voluble and talking and lots of energy and passion and so forth. And and then it stopped and he, he, he kind of raised his hand, didn't say anything for a minute. He said, you know, in our culture, the Japanese culture, uh, people would stop after somebody said something and they would ponder what had been said but you all just keep talking you just you know blah 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 and i thought yes that's what i needed to hear right so here we are engaging in a conversation and always wondering who's listening it's one of the wonders of being on the radio so we'd like to announce that next week we are going to be inviting personal stories of thanksgiving We'd like to invite those of you who are listening, if you have some tale to tell of a particular moment in your life when you awakened to a great sense of thanksgiving, we'd, le- we'd like you to get ready to call in and share it with us. And if you'd like to uh, drop us a line at interfaithtalkradio.com this week so that we will know that you'll be available, we'd be glad to call you and make sure that you get your story on the air and we get to share together on a more personal level the some of the events, some of the people for which we are grateful and for which we are thankful. And as a spiritual practice, getting ready for sharing the Thanksgiving celebration this Sunday at St. Patrick. I would encourage everyone to do a thank you meditation. Just to be aware of all the thoughts that rise in the mind, and no matter what rises, to say thank you. And to be aware of the events of the day, and no matter what is happening, to allow thanksgiving to awaken and see what that does to the nature of your experience and to the opening of your heart. This is Rabbi Ted Falcon on behalf of my colleagues, Pastor Don McKenzie and Brother Jamal Rahman, 
We're Interfaith Talk Radio, and we will see you next week. Love.